0: Welcome back to another episode of One Penny at a Time with your host, Harris Elliott. Welcome to the third episode of 2023. And we have our first guest here in 2023. We have Twitter's fellow diva, drama. Nah, I'm kidding. He is a fellow amazing member of the DivTwit, FinTwit community. None other than Dividend Dave from Ontario, Canada. How are you doing today, Dave?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. And yes, uh, thank you so much, Harris, for having me on the One Penny at a Time podcast. And yes, I am in Ontario, Canada. I'm in a r- rural rural area about two, two and a half hours east of Toronto. So that gives you a little bit of a geog- geographical idea of where I am located. And yeah, let's just get into it.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's great. Um, I remember you're actually one of the very first people I connected with on Twitter back in late September, early October. Um, Obviously I was on Twitter way beforehand through like personal accounts, like, wait, I'm going to just try doing this to, you know, just making one for the podcast and we connected. And then we did, you know, an episode back on your podcast back in October and we've been chatting and it's been, it's been really great. Just being able to uh, just meet people, international even though you're really above the border and you know you're our friendly neighbors but you were the very first international guest technically on this podcast so
1: oh wow that is awesome that is awesome yeah so and yeah so I guess first thank you for being on my podcast as well like you said back in October uh, my podcast is called the passive income podcast and at the time I was really just trying to get it going and immediately i saw you followed me and your twitter name is one penny podcast i was like follow back dm <laughs> and i'm like would you like to be a guest on the one on the passive income podcast and you were like right away sure yes no problem yeah. and
0: literally slid in my dms within like a minute of following you <laughs> well it might have been 35 minutes but okay and no it was literally instantaneous <laughs> I remember like, oh wow yeah because I, I was like are people in this community this receptive or like this like because honestly, I thought I was going to stay at like less than 100 followers for a while. And was like, wow, this is really receptive. So that was, you know, great. You made me feel welcome into the community there. So yeah, I
1: definitely. That. So I, at the time, I was really trying to get the, uh, the passive income podcast off the ground. I, I had been trying through last summer with zero traction because obviously in the summer, people have tons of other things to do. They're taking the kids everywhere to Little League, to you know, little league baseball, little league soccer to the cottage, wherever. And then in September, obviously the kids are back in school. People get set into their routines. And then by early October, all of a sudden I was getting some traction of people saying, Oh yeah, I'll come on and be a guest on your podcast. You being one of them, obviously. And Mm -hmm. since then in, in just over, well, in three months, I had over 30 guests and I have another 10 guests lined up for January. So just, you know amazing organic growth real fast and it's been a fun ride to say the least
0: that's great dave and isn't it amazing how like things like organically just happen and you're like holy crap it's like <laughs> this is unbelievable but that's great dave and let's go ahead here um let's t- who's dividend dave tell me about your story with investing tell me about yourself
1: oh wow well this is going to be a little bit of a long-winded answer, and I have been a guest on uh green candle it podcast as well so if you're if you've already heard this story on Brandon's podcast or YouTube channel, please listen again because the mistakes I made and <laughs> listening to them again will save you from listening or from making those same mistakes uh, the first time um do you want like the whole story, like right from the time I was nineteen, twenty years old? Um, just tell me. So, were you
0: investing back in the day, or like, you know, how about we let's not let, let's skip out the childhood part of it, but like, tell me about, I guess, um, when about maybe like your financial journey. When did you start doing this, or when did you realize I need to do
1: something about this? Right. So. It is gonna turn into a long winded answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, hey, it's 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 we got time. <laughs> um, I guess first off, you have to keep in mind that you see there, um my dividend or my Twitter handle is at lovey 1973 is the year I was born, so you can do the math quite quickly. Twenty twenty three, there's gonna be a five in front of my birth date here real soon, right? In the <laughs> yes. next few months there's a five zero coming up and so i go back to the obviously you don't want to talk about my childhood that's fine let's get into my late teens and early 20s and i go back to the early 90s where obviously we didn't have apps on our phone we didn't have phones well we had phones they were landlines we didn't have cell phones we didn't have apps we didn't have the internet on our phone we didn't have the internet right like Mm -hmm. the internet was in its infancy and but i did know i wanted to start investing and obviously at a young age that is what everyone should do start investing at a young age if you are able to do so and you can you know so at the time i i recalled contacting a stockbroker because that's how we did things way back then is like you actually yep. physically had to call a stockbroker and that stockbroker said to me oh you need to buy i can't remember if it was 10,000 shares or $10,000 worth of shares. But either way, at a 19 or 20 year old kid, I did not have $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure most 19, 20 year old kids can relate. You don't have an extra 10 grand just in your wherever. It's it's just not there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So at the time, I was lucky enough to meet a financial advisor and he got me into mutual funds. Now you can, argue the pros and cons of mutual funds all day long but at the time again this is 1991 1992 no apps on your phone to to buy through you know free commission free stock trading on your phone obviously you know the early 90s and Mm -hmm. i do recall i set up a mutual fund where to start it i needed a hundred dollars and then after that, you could kind of pick whatever you wanted to contribute every month, whether it was 25, 50, 100, whatever more you could afford. And at the time, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can afford more than 50. I can't afford 100. So I settled on 75. Right in the middle. Yeah, 75 was a good number for me. And so <laughs> I went for a good five or maybe six years. Of put religiously putting that $75 a month into that mutual fund and you know fast forward to now I'm at the age of say 25 and that mutual fund has went up a little bit and suddenly suddenly I do have that 10 grand that I didn't have you know five or six years ago now here's the mistake I made here's the mistake that young people cannot make here's the biggest mistake I've one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life, because I've made a lot of them, as we all have, right? Yes. Nope. Yep. So at the age of around 25, well, life happens. Life happens, right? And all of a sudden it was like, oh, I need, ne- I need two grand. So I took two grand out of that 10. And then a few months later, it's like, oh, I need another three grand. So I took another three grand out. And that, all of a sudden, that 10 grand turns into five a few more months go by and it's like oh i need some more money and a few more months go by and i need some more money and needless to say that 10 grand went to zero within a year or so and yeah i'd still kick myself because i mean people can do the math 1973 you can guess that, well obviously i've told you how old i am if if you're even yeah. half decent at math you can guess i'm 49 right now yeah. and obviously that's the biggest mistake I've made in investing is the fact that I withdrew all that money 25, yeah, 25 years ago. Because can you imagine if I com- just been con- contributing that, that same 75 every month for 25 more years, or if it had went up to a hundred or 125 a month for 25 more years, I, I, you know, I'd be sitting on a, on a nice, a very nice nest egg. Right. Yeah. So that's, the beginning of my investing journey
0: well isn't it crazy though how it took you 6 to 7 years to build up 10,000 but it took you a year to just kind of bleed it out
1: it's a lot easier to spend money than it is to make money
0: yes but you know and i appreciate you telling that story because honestly we know that It's a tough scenario to go through, but you know what? It seems like obviously now where you're at now, that mistake made you a a wiser individual and a better investor. And it's really great that you're sharing that with everybody because there's a lot of people in this space where they'll never admit when they're wrong or they won't share their failures. And honestly, when somebody can admit I was completely wrong or I messed up, that just shows the quality of character of the person. So I appreciate oh, thank you being you. honest. You know, I appreciate you being honest and open about that. Cause a lot of people would not be open about that.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I've already shared this story once on, on uh green candle, it podcast with Brandon. Mm-hmm. And if any of your viewers have already seen this, like I said, stick around and listen to it again, because it's worth, it's worth learning from, right? Like, just, just don't do what I did. <laughs> just yeah. Do not do what I did.
0: <laughs> So after that, so I know after the one year where you had it to 10,000 to then it got down to zero, did you start rebuilding it up again? Or how did that happen from there?
1: So there was actually quite a break, I guess, in between where I didn't really think about investing. I didn't think about the future as much. And all of a Mm -hmm. sudden you go from 25 to 35. And then you're like, Oh, wow, life just happened again. (laughs) Right? Like, holy, Wow. As we all know, even you—I know you're a lot younger than I am. You know, ten years can go by real fast, right? Like all of yeah. a sudden, you're like thinking about things. Oh, that happened ten years ago. Wow, that was ten years ago. Yeah, that That's, was ten years I'm, ago.
0: I'm at that point right now. I, I yeah, turned thirty. Right. I, t- I turned thirty-one next month, and we started talking about like things, like events or friends. I'm like, wait, 2013—that was ten years ago. It's was like, how did ten years happen? So I totally relate to that.
1: Yeah. 100% 100%. So again now like I said I'm into my mid 30s mm-hmm. it's now the mid 2000s suddenly there is the internet with you know you have your online mm-hmm. banking not so much apps on phones yet or there are some yeah. but not so much apps on phones for investing and mm-hmm. I started thinking about it again and, I, and at this point in in the mid 2000s say 2006 7 8 whatever year I was really I I understood the dividend investing strategy of like buying companies that are going to pay you to not work for them. I'm sure you've seen me say that many times. I want to I want companies to pay me to not work for them.
0: Yes, Do I, need I always say that make again posts I want companies that.
1: to pay me to not work for them, right?
0: Yes, I know you always make the joke about that with your power company and your bank, correct?
1: Oh yeah, well yeah, exactly. It's like, I want them to pay me to pay them. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> sort of my other saying. Um, so th- through the, the mid-2000s, uh, you know, six seven eight two thousand six seven eight, 2006, 7, 8, I, again, started getting into, okay, I, I need to, you know, buy some shares. But again, it's through online banking. And this is when I didn't have an app on my phone where I was going to get free commission. So I'm doing it through my online through my bank, and it's like every trade is a nine ninety five commission, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, I I basically have to buy a hundred shares to make that ten dollar commission worthwhile, sure. and it's like, okay, well, if it's if it say, let's just throw it a random number, if that's a six dollar share, I don't necessarily have a, you know six hundred dollars just lying around to to invest because again, you've got everybody's got bills to pay, you've got you know, your mortgage or your rent, you've got insurance, you've got gas, you've got groceries, you've got your, you know, your power bill, your phone bill, your internet bill. Like the bills just keep coming. You're like, didn't I just pay my phone bill last month? Right. <laughs> I I know every one of your listeners can relate to that. I just paid my phone bill and my internet bill like last month. And they're sending me another bill this month. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Yeah. It's funny that you talk
0: about the um, the commission prices because I think one of the very first exposure I had to like what investing was was back around that time, like 2006, seven, eight. I obviously was a teenager at that time, so I wasn't investing. But I remember seeing commercials where I forgot which brokerage it was, but they were promoting the $4.95 commission trade. And right. that was like a big deal back then. I was like, Oh, this yep. is really discount. I remember that. So that's why yeah. I was like, I, I know what you're talking about with this. Cause yeah, there, was, there, there was, was a lot like, of people
1: I now. I recall that like maybe Scott trade commercials and something like that. There was a bunch maybe, of, I, I recall those maybe E-Trade,
0: were, maybe E-Trade too, I think had yeah, something possibly. like that, but that was a big deal in that time.
1: Yeah. You were basically, you were saving $5 a trade from 10 down to five, it, it, right? Yeah so again let's just i guess continue on with sort yeah. of my brief history here my long history sorry
0: <laughs> no you're good name, honestly it's it's great to hear different perspectives from different times because you know kind of like the whole commission feed like now it's like if somebody charges a fee it's like i ain't gonna use that brokerage <laughs> right you know so it's different perspectives different times it's amazing to really hear just different points of view from different times so Okay, so we got there. We're at the, um, you know, you're right. So $10 per trade. So you need to really, okay, how many shares can
1: I realistically get to make this worth it, essentially? Right. So again, now, Hmm. I guess kind of fast forward from 2006 to to 2010, 2012. And again, so at this point, I met my now ex-wife and we were married in 2013. Our marriage lasted seven years. I'm kind of happy it ended seven years later, um, <laughs> as most people are with exes. <laughs> but so the problem, the problem with the financial side of that relationship was she didn't see the the end goal of dividend investing. You know, she didn't see oh, if I invest three hundred dollars, I'm going to make three dollars in in a dividend every. Month or every quarter, she saw. Oh, that three hundred dollars could be going to pay for all the other bills, right? Mm -hmm. So, needless to say, what I had started again started to try to build in the oh six oh seven oh eight era was depleted again. It was gone. So again, I'm I'm back to to net zero basically, right? At at the at you know at the year of let's just say 2012 and so again we'll just fast forward this again right up to 2020 like i said seven years we were married in 20 we we started dating in the late 2009 we were together through 2010 to 2012 we got married in 2013 we split up in 2020 So let's just fast forward right to 2020, because this is where it gets to present day and where I am now. In -hmm. 2020, I'm like, I'm going all in on dividend investing. I understand the dividend investing strategy. I understand there's literally thousands of great companies out there, Canadian, American companies, uh, more companies across the pond. I'm going to have soon coming up on the Passive Income Podcast. I have guests coming up from overseas like the UK and in Europe. And so there's just literally thousands and thousands of companies that pay incredible dividends on whether it's a monthly or quarterly basis. And so I'm like, okay, you know, it's 2020 now. I'm going all in on on dividend investing, and which I did. I started just buying primarily REITs at first because, you know, REITs pay that monthly dividend. REITs are generally a higher yield. And it's like, okay, this is probably a good way to, you know, start building that back up quickly because all of a sudden now, you know, 2022 20, years, three years ago, I'm well, I haven't had a birthday yet this year. So 2020 is, let's say, I'm 47. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I don't want to be one of those people that at 77 years old still has to work for a living. I want to like really think about what I can do in the next 10 years between, you know, 47, 48, 49. And my late 50s, what can I do to retire at 60? Which for a lot of people is probably some people, it might be early, but for a lot of people retiring at 60 might be late, right? Especially in the div to a community. There's so many people that are saying, oh, I was financially independent at 45. And I'm looking at these people going, oh, wow, good for you. But did I ever mess up? right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And what you said about like working to your seventies, and this is actually something that I actually still think about pretty often where, well, after we finished, um, when I did your episode and your podcast, we, we, we chatted for a little bit. Then you told me that your mom's in her seventies and she, drives, she still has to drive a school bus, right?
1: Correct. And so, that, that's also part of what bothers me, but also motivates me is that I, you know, I would love to be able to retire her. I would love to be able to take care of my mm-hmm. mom and say, mom, you don't have to drive a school bus anymore. Now, obviously, in 10 years time at 87, she's not going to even be allowed to drive a school bus. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in that in the next 10 years, I have to figure out a way to make sure that I have enough money, not just for me, but for her also. Right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, with, you know, this is the why I do this, because, you know, like working till 87 or like even to like 70, maybe. 60 is kind of questionable. Like for me, like I honestly love to work. It's not a situation where I, I, I love what I do in my career and I love to work, but it gets to a point where it's like, you got to enjoy life sometimes. So um, I just you watched the video. Work
1: optional. work optional is a, is a term we see on, on dividend Twitter a lot where, you know, people that ca- could potentially retire just on their dividends. You, you see people posting as, Oh, I'm, I've made, eight grand in dividends this month, you know, they could retire on eight grand a month in dividends, but they're still working because they want to, not because they have to. That is the primary difference.
0: It is. And you know, it's we'll get there one day, you know, (laughs) and right now it's just setting up the foundation and being consistent and we're going to get there.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. So also I know um, prior like I said, I know we we haven't we've known each other for a couple of months. You before you really got into um, to like dividends, you were heavily in crypto, right? At one
1: point. Um, I don't know if I would say heavily at the time. So obviously crypto blew up in, you know, last year, the beginning of 2022. And then it really fizzled out at the end of 2022. But mm-hmm. I was focusing At the the time, I guess I was focusing on both because like crypto was like very hard to ignore at the beginning of 2022. But at the same time, I was like, okay, I know that dividend investing and investing is, you know, 110 percent safer. You've you've got blue chip companies, you've got dividend aristocrats, you've got dividend kings that these companies keep, you know, raising their dividends year over year. And these companies are safe. So I'm going to invest a whole lot there but yes you're correct at the same time I was investing in crypto and I don't want to say I got 100% wrecked because I still hold a lot of crypto and you know what crypto I still believe is probably going to go up again at the next bitcoin halving because that's just the way that 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 crypto works so holding on to that I always said even when I was you know last year at the beginning of 2022 when crypto was skyrocketing I'm like okay I'm just going to hold on to this and see what happens so if in five mm-hmm. years time my crypto portfolio becomes more than my dividend portfolio, I'm not going to complain about that. Right.
0: Yeah. So for yourself, is that the way you treat it? Is like you put a very, I'm assuming a very small allocation into that. And it's like, if this goes to zero, I'm okay with it. So it's more like I'm willing to put a very small allocation where if it goes to zero fines or so be it.
1: Yeah. Some of it, some of it was a small allocation. Cause I have like, so many different coins and some of them were like small allocations where it's like okay if it goes to zero whatever i've lost 20 or 50 bucks and some of them are obviously bigger allocations where it's like okay i have put a thousand or more fifteen hundred or two thousand into this but hoping that hey you know what if this skyrockets that because as we know crypto can go crazy you know that two grand could turn into into 50 grand that that's just the way crypto works right so and like i said i'm completely okay with just holding on to that to see what happens after the next uh bitcoin halving. and for those of you i don't want to like get into yeah. what of bitcoin having means that's for yeah. another conversation so you can easily google yeah. that if you, if you don't know what bitcoin mm. halving means mm-hmm.
0: no that's great there dave so Um, Next topic I want to kind of go into, it's um, obviously we have the U.S. market, then there's the Canadian market. And this is actually something I learned a lot from your conversation because I learned about how there's like separate markets and all that. So you currently have no exposure to U.S. in your, at least your portfolio currently, correct?
1: Uh, Nothing directly. I am sure probably with some of the things I own, they probably have exposure to the U.S., but I do not own any uh, U.S. companies outright.
0: Got you. And I think you explained to me, it's like um about like it was converting Canadian dollar to U.S. dollars. Is that correct? The conversion rates don't make any sense.
1: Th- that's a big part of it. As of right now, the Canadian dollar, I di- haven't, I didn't check the exchange rate today, but the Canadian dollar mm-hmm. has been quite low to the U.S. dollar recently. So primarily it's like, why would I, why would I pay, you know, a dollar thirty, or like, you know, right? Like a Canadian, let's say a Canadian dollar. Let's say it costs a dollar thirty Canadian to buy one U.S. dollar. So, if a U.S. stock is worth ten dollars, I'm paying thirteen for it, where you're paying ten for it. Doesn't make sense to me when I have so many great Canadian stocks that I can pick as well. In the future, if gotcha. the Canadian dollar does kind of rise, and in the past it has, right? There has obviously been market fluctuations between currency exchange, and maybe some. At some point in the future, it will make sense for me to be like, oh, you know what? The Canadian dollar is strong enough that I'm going to look at some U.S. companies.
0: No, absolutely. And if you had, let's say, like two picks, if you could invest in two U.S. companies right now, what would they be? If you just had
1: the ability to do it? I'm going to give you a whole lot more than two. (laughs) (laughs) How about let's round that up to five. So, yeah, there are so many so many great us companies that are great dividend payers um and i you know because i i'm not in the us market and i'm not looking at those stocks on a day-to-day basis but i obviously i'm on twitter with a ton of americans that are tweeting about these things and you know <laughs> you know one i look at is mcdonald's one i look at is coca-cola one i look at is pepsi one i look at is walmart one i look at is costco um, am I up to five yet? <laughs> and like I said, I'm going to give you a whole lot more than five. Um, there are, there are a couple of names out there. Uh, Johnson and Johnson, another great one to look at Procter and Gamble. So many, and that's, and literally I've just mentioned like kind of consu- this consumer staples th- so far. Like, and the so,
0: you know, like the, the blue chip of the blue chip, essentially.
1: Right. And again, I guess. For those of you who don't know, if you haven't listened to my podcast, I've mentioned it several times. I work in the food industry, so I'm a little bit biased to the like you know consumer staples and the food industry. But at the same time, even if I didn't work in the food industry, I would still eat every single day, just like each and every one of you. Right. So I look at yeah. these companies going, oh, wow, they have a whole lot to offer. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I buy the majority of my groceries at Walmart. So again if we go back to that concept of turning the cash register around walmart would definitely be a company that i look at right like okay i i spend a couple hundred bucks at walmart every week or every other week just like everybody else does if if walmart is your primary grocery store right and so why wouldn't you think about getting them to pay you to pay them and again you can kind of argue that investing strategy nine ways to sunday For me, it makes sense. I like that investing strategy. Invest in the companies that you use, right? I use Walmart almost, like I said, almost every week or every other week at least. And I buy my groceries there. I buy his dog food there. I buy other things there, obviously, right? Like you can buy tons of other things at Walmart that aren't just groceries and dog food. Like, I mean, what
0: don't they have, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, kind of. But honestly, but no, that's, that's not even that's my big, number one country. pick. Walmart isn't my number one pick. Yeah. And neither is but Costco, still. neither is Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. neither is Pepsi, neither is Johnson Johnson. All of those are great mm-hmm. companies. But if you wanted my number one pick, as you know, I love my REITs. And as you know, I've had over 30 guests on the Passive Income Podcast. And I don't know the exact break breakdown, but I would say probably 50% Americans, 50% Canadians on the Passive Income Podcast. Every single one, including you, every single one of my American guests have owned realty income. Ticker ticker symbol O. O. And I look at that going, I would invest in that in a heartbeat because they give a dividend raise like, I don't know, every day or something. (laughs)
0: <laughs> every, i think like usually it's like every quarter or every four to months i think it's usually what they're doing right now obviously it's pennies or it's like peanuts but over time it adds up
1: well of course it does right and again mm-hmm. your concept one penny at a time podcast it's not peanuts. Mm-hmm. over time it adds up that's the it whole does. concept of brick by brick you know penny by penny you you make 100 pennies you've got a dollar
0: exactly you know, right
1: like you make 10 you make that ten you do that ten times, you've got ten dollars. You do that a hundred times, you've got a hundred dollars. It's like this is great. Yeah. Keep it coming. <laughs>
0: <right>? <laughs> do you think I'll ever be able to convince a Canadian to invest into Target?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. So do you know the Target story in Canada? I
0: do, and that's kinda why I brought up the joke. So for those who don't know, obviously in the States, Target, I have one ten minutes away. It's amazing but target expanded into canada and And within two years they completely flopped and not even failed it's like flopped dead right am i correct on that
1: yeah so (laughs) a little more history for you so there's a company in canada called the hudson's bay company and Mm -hmm. the hudson's bay company has been around since i want to say 1642 like i think they might be the oldest company in north america they've been around Mm -hmm. forever right They might Mm -hmm. even they're probably even one of the oldest companies in the world, like, you know, the 1640s. That's a long time ago before even obviously the U.S. is older than Canada at at 17. But even well before the U.S. was a country, the Hudson's Bay Company was a company. And so the Hudson's Bay Company owned a subsidiary named Zellers. That's uh, Z-E-L-L-E-R, Zellers. Mm -hmm. And Zellers was a discount department store. Just like Target, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what happened? I forget the years. This is within the last yeah. ten or fifteen years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they, the Hudson's Bay Company, kind of discontinued all of the Zeller stores. So you've got all of these depart these department stores all like right across the country, hundreds of them, sitting empty. Target comes in, looks at a prime opportunity, and quite honestly, Target should have succeeded because they look at this prime opportunity of all these department stores that were right in their wheelhouse, and all they had to do was come in and rebrand them from Zeller's to Target, which were kind of the same thing.
0: Yeah, and Target's a really I, don't know, I honestly
1: don't know how they failed. I really don't. It, it's an, it would be a very interesting. I'm sure there's probably some college kids out there in the past 10 years that have done case studies on why Target <laughs> failed, and they would be some... Probably great reads of just why did Target fail in Canada? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy
0: because like if you, you see me talking with like U.S. people, we're talking about can we're talking about Target, but then you, if I mentioned Target to somebody in Canada, like heck no, I am not even talking about Target. So it's it's crazy though how like different different cultures or like different you know different markets how one thing is completely relevant and the other is completely yeah. not. So it's really crazy how we talk about that. Speaking of also Canada, um, I just got a um, last week and I got a notice that they're trying to open up between 40 to 50 Tim Hortons here in Austin. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so um, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, you know, Starbucks is huge here, but I'd be really curious to see. In our household, we love experimenting with coffee, so definitely something to try. We have bought a bag of Tim Hortons before, but we want to see how the actual retail experience would be for that. Do you oh own wow any, do you own any stock into that
1: no so tim hortons is owned by a company called rbi restaurant brands international mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they also own burger king and i think a couple others and i i think their I think ticker symbol is, think. is qsr which is mm-hmm. like quick service restaurant or something like mm-hmm. that so i i don't own any of those uh directly i'm don't think i even have any of them in an etf but yeah tim hortons is definitely obviously as a canadian i would i would love to do that um you know i'm guessing have you ever been to canada
0: nope but it is on our to-do list
1: oh nice nice yeah so there's tim hortons everywhere here obviously but beyond that it's like it's a foundation of the culture right like you know, five-year-old kids playing, it's called Tim bitts hockey, like these little kids out on the ice that mm-hmm. can barely skate. And obviously, you know, Canada is well-known for hockey. And so it, it's just, like I said, it's part of our culture. The actual person, Tim Horton, did play for the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the mm-hmm. 60s. I think he might have played for the Buffalo Sabres as well in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like there's a very strong-rooted you know, Canadian aspect to just who the person himself was, but then the growth of the company being just very, very Canadian.
0: No, absolutely there, Dave. Um, one thing I always wanted to ask you here, and obviously, in my opinion, and I could be wrong with this, because obviously I'm I'm still learning so much about this stuff. If I told you if I knew 10% of everything, I'd be telling you the 10% too much. We, we're, we're, This is something you're learning and evolving into. But obviously, we know that, what the Canadians are known for are the Canadian banks. You, know, <laughs> you have some some banks paying dividends for 150, almost 200 years. I've yeah. actually started doing research because um, I, I look at these and they're amazing banks. But obviously, if I keep this in a taxable account, it doesn't make sense for me to hold it. But then I started looking up and somebody said this on Twitter. And then I went and researched it. If you put a Canadian bank into uh roth ira which is tax you know you don't get taxed on it ever there's some type of truce between us and canada where if you put it in there we don't get the 15 uh international tax and you can actually grow it in there tax-free so it's something i'm looking into um i made a post about this on twitter and that blew up That like, all the canadians are passionate about their the, the, the big six as they call them like you know yeah. td but uh bank of montreal like i've Everybody started spitting out all these banks to me. What's your opinion on the current uh, banking part in- Canada, the Canadian banks?
1: I'm going to try to give you a two, hopefully not three-part answer on that. So first, yeah. on the tax side of it, yes, there are, uh, and this is going both ways, whether you're Canadian mm-hmm. investing in the US or an American investing in Canada, there are tax people out there that can help you. And I'm not that tax person, mm-hmm. but find those tax people because they will help you reduce how much you have to pay in taxes when investing in the other nation. So that's part one to that answer. Uh, Part two, the Canadian banks. Wow. Wow. Investing or paying dividends, like you said, Bank of Nova Scotia, I believe it's Bank of Nova Scotia in 2029. So just now six years away is coming up on their 200. I said that correctly, right? 200 year anniversary of paying dividends. If only my great 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 grandfather had have bought a few shares of that back in eighteen twenty nine, right? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So and then, that's, yeah. That's so something I I'm think... going to do into there. I have to research it because I think that it's just a great opportunity a great opportunity to have exposure to, in my honest opinion.
1: And then I think Bank of Montreal is next at eighteen thirty one. So they're coming up on a on their two hundred year anniversary in uh, in eight years. There's actually a great tweet from at settling nomads. It's an old tweet now. So if you w- go to at settling nomads, then you'd have to scroll through his page to find the tweet. But he actually has a breakdown of all of the years that the Canadian bank started paying dividends and all, all five. So there's the big five and then national bank is added as the big six. But so mm-hmm. the big five have all been well over 150 years at this point. And with obviously with dividend growth, it's they're just, as an investor, they're amazing, amazing companies to invest in, not financial advice. Of course. As a consumer, they can be difficult, trying, horrible to work with because, you know, obviously they're big conglomerate companies. And so as a consumer, they can be frustrating. But as an investor, holy wow, like like I said, how can you argue with, with a company that's been paying dividends for nearly 200 years
0: agreed so that's something that i'm really putting into as of right now my top two contenders like i said i have to i have to look through at least the big six is the i need to look through everything yeah um td has been catching my eye and then bank of montreal have been catching my eye so i need to just do more reading and seeing you know just looking at the compounding and all the the financials the debt um it's gonna take me a while to look into them but yeah those have been like the two that have caught my eye so far
1: yeah no and nice they're good like i said and the only reason that i'm so i have them all in in one etf but i do mm-hmm. have uh outright bank of nova scotia and the only reason i i picked bank of nova scotia out of all the other ones is because they're they are the ones that hold the mortgage on my house so again it goes back to my concept of turning the cash, reg- turning that cash register just and trying to get them to pay me to pay them,
0: yeah, great stuff there, Dave. But I think from what I've seen on Twitter, there, from what everybody, I, I got, you know, I got so many people from Canada giving their like like their two cents on it. Um, they said that they're all practically almost the same, except they go, if you need income now, this one's a better play. If you have time, that they, they there's like all yeah. these like different parameters. That's how you kind of pick them, but. And then to me, where you talk about the ETF or like the, you know, basket of stocks, as I always say here, it's kind of crazy that there is one. Because honestly, in the States, there really isn't an ETF for financial. And like what we generally go to for that is you invest into Berkshire because that's like the closest thing you can kind of get to if you want to go ETF route.
1: Oh, interesting. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, there's not really an ETF here. That's solely like financial. Like for me, I have an ETF in consumer staples. I have one in industrial. And I have one in utilities. And the reason why I do that is, is that I, that there's many great companies that better get the exposure for them. There are industries I don't really care to do that much deep, deep, deep dive into. So it's like, make it into that and call it a day. And they've done really good for me so far. So, you know, no complaints into there. So- Yeah, no, to- et-
1: you're tough to go wrong with ETFs. Like a lot of et- the majority of ETFs, it's like, Set it and forget it. Let somebody else do the hard work for you. And again, not financial advice. But if you're listening to this and you're starting out, definitely take a look at ETFs because, like I said, it's it's tough to go wrong. Not financial advice. (laughs) You got to add that caveat, right?
0: Yes. Just don't. Please, as a if you're trying to go to dividend, just don't look at the Arc ETF, please. (laughs) Please don't go go look for your conservative blue chip ETFs. Do not go into no comment.
1: (laughs) there's <laughs> no think, comment think, on that i'm just not going to comment
0: it's okay i just mess just messing there with the rktf but overall though dave got uh two questions here to wrap it up um one with your podcast um what are your goals this year for your podcast
1: a uh, great question and it's very difficult to answer because i would love to say oh i would love to have you know 10,000, 50,000 subscribers on YouTube on the Passive Income Podcast. But I can't control other people clicking the subscribe button, right? So Mm -hmm. I guess my goal is probably just to continue having incredible guests like yourself and so many others on the Passive Income Podcast. You know, like I said, I've had over 30 in the first three months, another 10 this coming month. And I think that's just kind of the key is And I think that's manageable, too, is averaging 10 guests a month. The 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 response and the support and the exception on the dividend Twitter community has just been absolutely amazing. People, again, like yourself, willing to come on the Passive Income podcast and, you know, spend an hour or so of their time with me just talking. We don't do anything like extravagant on on my podcast. We don't do technical analysis. We don't do deep dives into stocks. It's literally just people talking and sharing ideas and sharing information. And I think that's part of why it's been relatively successful so far, right? Like it's just or growing it organically. And so I, ho- I hope for this year, yeah, I'd love to say, oh, well, by this time next year, the Passive Income Podcast is going to have you know, 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. Well, that's not realistic. I can't control what other people, you know, click on the Internet. Same with my Twitter followers. I'd love to have tons more Twitter followers, and, and I appreciate every single one that I have right now, but I can't, I can't control somebody clicking the follow button on Twitter or the subscribe button on YouTube. Um, to follow that up, sorry this is becoming a long-winded answer, but I also, another goal is obviously I need to get my podcast onto the audio platforms. I have been primarily focusing on getting them out there on YouTube. And I do know that a lot of my audience or potential audience, because so many of them have, have tweeted at me saying, Hey, is this on Apple podcasts? Is this on Spotify? Is this on whatever other, uh, you know, podcast platforms there are? And I'm like, Nope, just YouTube right now. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that's definitely, definitely a, a goal that I can control for 2023 is, is getting uh, the podcast onto audio platforms.
0: Great stuff there. And then uh, as I always like to finish off of uh, every episode and have a guest here, I always ask a nonstop question because oh, it's good to get that. Yeah. When, when do you think the Canucks are going to win the Stanley cup?
1: Oh, jeez. It should have been 2011. It should have, it really should have been 2011, but we got burned and I'm not going to go into all the reasons why, but yeah, in a parallel, in a parallel universe, the Canucks won the Stanley Cup in 2011. And I'm sure that's probably going to really bother some of your viewers that might be Boston fans. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the Canucks are a long ways away from winning the Stanley Cup right now, unfortunately. For those of you who uh, are listening, I am a Vancouver Canucks fan.
0: Yeah. Um, It's been a while since a Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup, right? Uh,
1: 1993, Montreal Canadiens. So 30 years? years. Am I doing the math right?
0: Yeah, 30 years. Well, somebody will turn around there. But, I mean, hopefully your Canucks do good. I mean, I said I'm not big into hockey, but... When I lived in Florida, obviously Tampa Bay Lightning were a big thing there and a lot of big fan base. So that's kinda like my exposure to hockey.
1: Yeah. No, well, they went to they won the Stanley Cup two years in a row and then went to the finals the third year, so and that was just last year actually. They lost to Colorado Avalanche last year and yeah. uh,
0: And they won so, yeah, in like the, the early two thousands I doing think. Great. Right. And I think they won in the early two thousands.
1: Uh yeah, they did. I uh, Two thousand three, maybe four. I'd have to look it up. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head.
0: Awesome. So, Dave, uh one appreciate you coming on and just, you know, like I said, just sharing a story and just having a good conversation. That's kind of what it's about here. Um, always, you know, also just with everything you do for the community and Twitter, it's. Um, I feel like you are a very big, you know, component to that, and you help bring people together. So we always oh, appreciate awesome. your Thank contribution you. to that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well yeah, thank you for having me on your podcast. And I really appreciate those words. And other people have said that too, about how, you know, my podcast is bringing the community together. And I just, and again, you know, I'm trying to grow it organically. And I just feel that every time somebody says that it just, you know, it just feels amazing to me that people are appreciating what, what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do and what, you know, just, and literally all I'm doing is what we're doing right now. We're just talking to people, (laughs) but it's, Mm -hmm. and it's fun. It's, I'm having, I'm having a blast talking to so many people about so many different things. So yeah, it's just been great. Awesome, Dave. And
0: just how we always close it out here with the famous closing out to this podcast doesn't matter whether you're investing in the future and yourself or paying off debt, you're going to reach that goal one penny at a time. We'll catch you on the next one.